0: Okay. And welcome on in, everybody, to the Check Your Brain podcast on location at uh, one of the uh, wonderful downtown Cleveland casinos here <laughs> where none of the escalators work or anything. Uh, I'm Tony Maser here, the host of the Check Your Brain podcast, also host the uh, Rack Me Football podcast with Ken Mosca and Chad Zumak. So check that out. Uh, if you're listening for free, it's uh, the Check Your Brain podcast is every Wednesday that goes out. If you are not listening for free and you're behind a paywall, well, thank you for subscribing. It's five bucks a month at patreon.com slash Tony Maser. Um, so yeah, go there. It's just five bucks a month. You get about four podcasts a week because I like doing podcasting. it's my therapy. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, like I said, I'm on location. In fact, I believe I'm going to have a guest on coming up later this week, who I'm also going to be on location for just because work and everything. But uh, I'm joined by somebody who's a staple in the New York comedy scene. He has uh, been seen on a bunch of gas digital network shows he's also on uh well at least one compound media show for right now used to be a couple more but now i think just one and uh that's anthony zenhauser uh what's going on man how are you hey thanks for having me yeah it's uh i uh i noticed that with you being on gas digital and stuff like that now you're kind of in this uh this universe with Shuley. How was uh, by the way over the weekend you were in atlantic city with Shuley. How was that
1: oh man uh He's great to work with, first of all. Anywhere, anywhere we work is fun, because if you work with your friends, it's unbelievable. Um, it was a great show. We had we had nothing but great shows all weekend. We were in, in the New York Comedy Club on Thursday. Great show. Uh, Lang City was – it's the most depressing place to be oh ever. I mean, you, that, you, that and it. you guys first were at the in- – you were
0: at the Claridge, right?
1: We were at the Claridge, which I like because <laughs> I'm a Boardwalk Empire fan. Yes. So I like that feeling. I like coming in and, and I'm and feeling like, you know, you're in the 1920s and a golden age, a golden age of a place that is now the saddest place in the world. Oh, my God. I, we were there for the Comedians of the Compound uh, back in early
0: January 2021. And it was funny because we go there. And it's supposed to, is isn't like the celebrity all-star theater or whatever it is. And right. it's like, it's it's a theater that's on the third floor of the building. Uh, and it's a hotel that had seen its better days, but they just slapped a logo that said Radisson on there. But yeah, it, like, you see all the pictures there's Nucky Thompson and all the other greats on the, you know, the made Atlantic city when it was back in the, you know the 20s and 30s and then uh yeah then i opened my i opened my window to my hotel and the first thing i see is a street where the entire street's blocked off but it says black lives matter on it
1: <laughs> right i mean there's still like i mean i saw like uh a, uh a, a, there was a headshot of a 20 year old billy crystal probably the last time he performed there i mean it was a <laughs> was he know, in black of <laughs> no no he wasn't uh but uh i know what you're talking about. i know i know he does that sometimes yeah he his, you know he, his, he can
0: get away with that
1: some people can. when he's he does that though on his off time i know he does that when he's at home <laughs> is that what trudeau does
0: it's like that you can't find a picture <laughs> yeah. of him not in some kind of black or brown face so it's funny how that worked uh yeah. but yeah no no but the, that atlantic city it's funny because i had never been there i'd heard I heard mixed feelings about Atlantic city. Like, you know, people who grew up in, uh, you know, I'm from Ohio. So Atlantic city was the place that your grandparents went to, to go gamble because they did, didn't, couldn't afford going to Vegas. So they go to Atlantic city and uh, yeah, we, we pull in there. Now, granted it was during COVID times, or I shouldn't say, COVID, it was the lockdown time. So everybody has to, you know, pick up your drinks at 9:58 because at 10 o'clock we're going to shut down. But even still, even if there was no COVID, it was you, you leave that boardwalk area, and, and you're talking about it's near Bosnia.
1: No, COVID hit Atlantic City about 40 years earlier than it hit the rest of the country. <laughs> uh, you walk outside. I wa- I, I, it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm like, I want to go on the boardwalk. I haven't been on the boardwalk in forever, and, and I take two steps on the boardwalk, and uh, I'm like, nah, I'm good. It was, just, it, was a whole, it was just a shit fest of homeless people and, and crackheads and meth heads. Uh, I actually heard this sentence in, at 9 o'clock in the morning on the night, day we were leaving. I heard a mother say to her six-year-old kid, I'm not going to say the word, but she said, I'll punch you in the back of the head, N-word. With the A. So I yeah, like, I saw your Good tweet. Good morning. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Now I don't want to get you kicked off another show.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, ex- yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, By the uh, way, thank, thank you for giving me props when you were on In Hot Water. That was like a, that was like a Baba Booey.
0: Oh, it, well, uh, it, well, it was you know. trolling somebody in front of their face and getting away with it. Because right. uh, one thing about me, it was, it was interesting in my radio days when I first started, was I can be a real asshole, but I do it with a smile on my face and a little bit of charm. So I can really just stick the needle in somewhere, but I do so with a smile, you know, like Dr. Fauci did. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was funny, bec- but as I've gotten older, I've gotten way more cynical and way more blunt that I can't get away with that anymore. But I can if there's somebody like Gino. And truth be told, here are my, here are my feelings. I've talked about this before, but I don't blame Gino for what happened. If, if folks just listening, yes, uh, I had a podcast. I was working in radio. I did a podcast. Uh, I did. I wanted to do a couple of podcasts with Gino to promote a comedian to the compound gig that never actually happened because Aaron Berg almost had a stroke. So we were promoting these shows. I thought, Hey, I had Aaron on last, last year. Why not have Gino on this time? Famous last words. Hey, I got Gino on my podcast and I decided, Hey, I'll put a couple out for free and then I'll do one bike beyond the paywall. And that's where we can get into talking raunchy and whatever. Well, it just so happened that somebody was listening who either Was a boss at my radio station, or was a rival, or somebody who had a real bone to pick with me and said, Your host is doing podcasts with the N word on it, which turned into Tony does a racist podcast, which turned into Tony's a racist who does a racist podcast. And that's what it turned into. So people are like Kevin Brennan and they're like, Oh, Gino got you fired. Gino got you fired. I'm like, Gino didn't get me fired. I got myself fired. I posted it. It's my fault. So I don't blame him because I'm the one who booked Gino. And I booked Gino to be Gino. I didn't book Gino to be a censored Gino. I mean, let's be honest here. Um, but Gino in that time has also, you know, yeah, I'm low man on the totem pole for all the people he's pissed off in the last six months right now, getting pinned against the wall or punched at Sullivan's. And all of a sudden he's feuding with you. And it was really strange. So, like, I go up there on the compound. I'm not, I know. Gino forgot it was gonna be there, so I, I'm there. He's like, "Oh, I thought I didn't know you were gonna be here." I'm like, "We talked about it like 12 hours ago that I was gonna be here." But uh, yeah, and then he's like, "I come over, I grab some whiskey." I'm like, "Yeah, I want to promote the Zen comic because the whole day before he's saying <laughs> Anthony Zenhauser lives with his mom, he's behind in his child support payments." I'm like, I, "I look, I don't even know if it's true or not. It's not my business." So I'm just like, "Yeah, let's have a little fun. Let's fuck around here." <laughs>
1: Yeah, and you know what? And and Gino, I love him. Like I've known him for years. He's like a family member in the comedy community to me. So like we were fighting, but deep down inside, like you know, Gino's Gino, and 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 you gotta love him for who he you'll is. Be, you know? You'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah,
0: everything's gonna be fine. Like he's no, we Gino. we
1: worked it out. We talked. We talked. We talked the day the day after. Shuli came out and did uh, his show, and and Shuli was like screaming at him about you know stop, <laughs> stop being kind of like a peckerhead, and and you know. Screaming all the time and get because he he's a funny guy. Gino's always he's he's been a funny guy for years, and uh, I think people know they 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 like to see him happy. But there's also a, a crowd of people who like to troll and enable yeah. uh, his his anger. And uh, again, it, it went from somebody punching him in the face to it's my fault <laughs> that that he got <laughs> punched in the face or or the, I was in cahoots or something. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck was going on. So we had a long talk in the hallway. I said, "Let's talk in the hallway with no cameras." I, we you know we 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 uh, had some words, and you know he's a great guy. I I love Gino. I just I want him to be happy. I want him to be happy and relax and and move on with his life. You know, but, but- I, I think what what kind of happened is and it's really sad about the.
0: It, it, I hate saying this word, but the climate has changed, and not I'm not talking about the weather, in, um, Gino his humor and not just Gino, but like the whole compound media, that whole feeling of like, we're a free speech network. We we want to say whatever the fuck we want to do. It kind of by the last couple of years has changed. And it went from some people wanted to kind of cross that picket line and say, like, do the George Carlin thing. There's no line that I can't step across. Now there's lines. And now even comics that I really do respect. And I get it, by the way, I get why they would not want to step over a line because they have a job to lose, you know, you could have, you could be a radio program director and lose your job because you had Gino on your podcast. <laughs> there's <laughs> lines, but there's also integrity too. So there has to be some kind of balance there. And it sucks that the, those, um, people like Gino 10 years ago were so much fun to hang out with because, because they were inappropriate. Now he he's Gino hasn't changed. It's everybody else has kind of changed. Right. And that's one of the problems. And that's honest. And to be honest, that's how I kind of, discovered you, whether it was on Twitter or going on, uh, I think I first discovered you really, like, I think we had followed each other before, but you were doing those late night with Zen, those like uh, silly talk shows. Oh, the, and, uh, yeah,
1: like a news show. Yeah, I have a couple. Yeah. I'm going to keep doing them. I just, I, 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 I've been getting busy and uh, it takes like writing. I have to write them and mm-hmm. put them out. It's all rigmarole, you know? It, And it was during COVID
0: because again, you know, whenever I talk about COVID, whether on my podcast or anything, it's not COVID, it's the response to COVID. It was completely overblown. And so everybody had to kind of get creative and do stuff at home. And it was refreshing that there was a comic like yourself that's throughout all of this and everybody watching their P's and Q's and deleting their old tweets and saying they can't go on certain networks that you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to go on these networks. I'll say whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want. And it's, I I, I use the term, I use it a lot, but refreshing is what comes to mind when I hear somebody like you cracking jokes and uh, having a good time being inappropriate, just to be inappropriate. You're allowed to, we're allowed to be.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, you've been when you're in this business for, for as long as I've been, I've been almost 20 years in this business. You kind of, you're, you're pie eyed you know, fantasies kind of start dissolving. You, you think like, Oh man, I, when I get in this business, I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to be on Letterman. I'm going to be on, you know, like late night shows. I'm going to, I'm going to be a household name. It's going to be amazing. I am going to be one of the biggest comics out there. And then you realize that um, it's not the way it works. Like, like you, the industry is, is, is garbage. The industry is garbage. It's a money-making scheme for them to make money. And as soon as you fucking, as soon as you're not popular or as soon as you say something shitty, they'll drop you like a bad habit Mm -hmm. They'll get rid of you. And then you're fucking done. And actors see that a lot more. Comics are great because comics can always have stand-up comedy. But, you know, a lot of actors in comics, they do movies, they do stuff. Now it's like if I, you know, I, like I said to myself the other day, I said, maybe I'll just fucking stop all this and be a history teacher. I can't even do that because <laughs> all it takes is one little background check on my tweets and uh, I'm not getting hired anywhere. So I'm, I've kind of we've all kind of some of us have painted ourselves in a in a, in a sense in a sort of like a, a, a content corner where we have to just like we just at this point, it's like who gives a shit? You know, it's like, I'm just going to say whatever I want to say. If I get a fan base who believe who agrees with me or who likes the material I'm putting out, that's how I'm going to be successful in this business. It's all about now. It's 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 more and it's more honest in that sense. You know, like a lot of stand up comedy is very honest. It's it's the most truest form of uh, uh, saying what you want to say and and and, you know, Like you, you think of Lenny Bruce and these guys are idolized. But in all honesty, everyone wants to shut everybody down now. Even though they're like, "Oh, Lenny Bruce was edgy and and Richard Pryor was edgy," it's like these guys would be shut down in a second. Well, I I love when they talk
0: about one of my favorite comics, Bill Hicks. And even if I didn't agree with what he was saying, I loved Bill Hicks and what he would do. It people kind of forget he bombed a lot, and it's not for his material. He bombed because the audience wasn't ready for. Whatever he was talking about. And then now you look back and he's revered. It's like, oh, he's one of the greatest of all time. And he pissed a lot of people off. Uh, Patrice O'Neill, again, another one where everybody, every single person says, oh, can you imagine what? It's the it's classic line is, can you imagine what Patrice would say about this today? And I'm like, well, you could have heard him say the things that were going on at the time, but he wasn't filling up comedy clubs. It was, I've seen him where it was half full comedy clubs. And um, then he goes on the, right. the roast and people start really liking him. And then posthumously, everyone's like, wow, he was a really good comic. Yeah, he was. Uh, you should have went to go see him five years ago when you could have. And you didn't. You decided uh, you were a big Kevin Hart fan yeah. or <laughs> you liked whatever uh, Dane Cook or whatever was
1: popular at the time. So it's, the biggest uh, it's tragedy sometimes it was it's, that when he was just getting hot, yeah, when he was just getting hot, he died. yeah it was getting recognition
0: i i saw patrice at the opie and anthony traveling virus tours 2006 and it was voss hosted the show then it was patrice bob kelly um otto and george then they took an intermission bill burr and jim norton and this was the this was two weeks after the bill burr infamous philly rant and so here in cleveland everybody wanted a cleveland rant they wanted Bill Burr to go up on stage and start talking about the Browns and hoping whoever was quarterback to blow their knee out and LeBron James, or whatever was going on at the time. And Burr walked off stage. He's like, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be the guy that every time I go to a town, they're going to start to boo me. Uh, and they want me to, oh, I'm going to go up to Detroit. I got to make jokes about the Pistons and the Red Wings. It's like, no, that's not what I'm going to do. Right. Uh, and fucking Cincinnati credit, with
1: your fucking horrible chili on spaghetti. What the <laughs> fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, and your fucking it's, river. It's, it's very specific. <laughs> but it, it, but <laughs> fucking so Drew I, Carey, what a faggot he is.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because I saw Patrice, and this was the time when he was using a lot of the material that eventually Amy Schumer stole uh, about the, you know, like the angry pirate and all that kind of stuff. So I saw that was 06. I saw him again in 2010. In 06, he was a pretty, really good comic. In 2010, he was an otherworldly comic. And you think about it, mm-hmm. for a guy who was about pushing 40 to get even better at that time is, is truly incredible. And yeah, it is a shame he's gone. And who's, who's it going to be the next person? And the big thing about Patrice was his stand-up was great, but his radio appearances were even better. And when I think back to when I wanted when I wanted to start doing comedy when I was 18... My goal was not to get on Letterman or Leno or whatever it was on at the time. I want to be a guest where uh, Norton's out of town and they say, Yeah, it's the Opie and Anthony show, though, and a virus spreading across America. Hey, in studio, we have no Jimmy Norton, but Tony Mazer's sitting here. Like, hey, guys, and they just hang out for the show. That was what my goal was back in the day. And uh, right. I, I, guess,
1: I guess you and I have to settle for if we, if we go on Kumia's show <laughs> at this point now. <laughs> Well, I went to, I went to college for broadcasting and mass communication. And my, my goal was stern. I wanted to be a DJ. I wanted to be on the radio um, radio was always going to be what I wanted. It wasn't TV. You know, I went to school with people who were, you can tell they were broadcasting majors and they were the news people. And they were, they were very like, you know, Ooh, you know, they were like, you know, they like to, they wanted to, to be fake. And what I loved was just being like on the radio and then Opie and Anthony. I I discovered them in college back in 97, 98. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, these guys are fucking amazing, too. These these guys are great. And then Tough Crowd came out and it's like, whoa, it's like Patrice, you know, uh, DePaulo, uh, everybody, Voss, Kelly, all those guys, Uh, Norton just breaking each other's balls. Like, who doesn't want to do that? who doesn't want to go on a show with your friends and break their balls and get paid and drink coffee and, and then have stranger, strange comics. You don't know, come on and break their balls and, and eviscerate them the way they used to do other guys. And then I got into comedy and, and yeah, it was always like, I'm just happy that I never, I mean, I just never broke ever. Like I just, I was, I was always an unknown guy for years. And now that I'm 43, I feel like what you were talking about, like Patrice kind of like became a better comic. I feel like every year I've, I've gotten a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. And sometimes it takes, you know, I'm thankful that it took me 20 years to kind of start getting a little momentum. So now I feel ready. 20 years ago, I would have maybe I had a two year career. You yeah, know, maybe well, I've done well, even in those days that you mentioned about
0: comedy that. You know, I, I always hear about the 80s, the glory days of the uh, oh, the comedy boom. You, There's a lot of shit comedy back in those days. There was a lot of, hey, look, for every Sam Kinison dice, there was 10,000 Jerry Seinfeld wannabes. Hey, did you ever notice and you ever do this? And um, by the 90s, right. a lot of that kind of broke up because of cable TV and that there were so many different options for comedy. But coming out of like with the Dennis Miller show and. Um, you know, Larry Sanders and Mr. Show and a lot of kind of it's weird to say alternative because alt, alt comedy has taken such a beating as it should in the last probably decade but a lot of that is what kind of you were seeing where you'd pop up at a coffee shop or an alt room and work on material and not have to worry about uh, hey, maybe the guy from Letterman is going to be in the back and he's going to check me out. So it gave a lot of people that opportunity to be kind of funny, kind of sub- subversive and silly and, you know, and sometimes downright mean And like the cases of guys like DePaulo. But that's what I think going into that, you probably were right at that, in my opinion, a new golden age of stand-up comedy. And that's what generated a lot of people into getting into that business. It's just I. I eventually got the balls to do comedy right when all the woke stuff was starting. So I I'm, uh, come January, it'll be nine years since I started doing comedy and mm-hmm. it almost seemed like as soon as I started, that's when all the, you know, the, the buttholes started puckering and they're like, Oh, Nope, Nope, Nope. Can't, can't joke about that. Can't say retard on stage. Can't do that. Uh, Hey, you're never going to be able to get on uh, this. Uh, you're not going to get a Netflix special. You go fuck off. I don't want that. All, all I want is an opportunity to be a guest on, like kumia show or uh gas digital and that and honestly i'm, I'm still at that point because i realize my comedy is not good i'm a white guy i'm a 34 year old white man do you think netflix is even looking at any of us right now that's uh, you just get rid of those no. gatekeepers
1: and thank god they're not who the fuck wants to play by their rules who wants to do that shit because in all honesty. They, they, it's, it, listen, I, I love comedy. I think that there's some really funny people out there. There's a lot of funny, dark, cynical, uh, you know, edgy. I, I want to see the word edgy, but like, listen, you know, Adrienne Appellucci, she's an amazing yes. female, amazing mm-hmm. comic. She's dark. She's funny. I think the main, the common denominator is with people who you allow that to happen is that they're just good writers They're, 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 they can get away with it because their writing is, is so good. They, you, you give them like a mulligan almost. I don't know, man. Like, and still most of the road, like you go on the road. Yeah. New York city is fucking shitty. It's like very liberal and stuff, but then you go to like Pennsylvania, you go to like these like blue collar towns, uh, you know, working class people that, which is more people than. the the most of the people who go out and see comedy it's not 20 you you go to the stand on a on a monday night they're all 20 year old kids they're all college kids they're all so they they don't you know they're not going to really get they don't understand they're not used to that they're not used to people talking talking to them like that yeah you go to fucking you go to like uh you know lancaster pennsylvania or mechanicsville new york and you do a show there and they're and you it's, they're great because they, they break balls. They know how to break balls. These guys got off a a 10 hour day, you know, they're, it's a big night for them. They're, they're having some beers with their girlfriend. I was in Fairfield, Connecticut on Saturday and there was an old couple sitting in the audience and I said, are you guys on a date? And and they were, and and the old man was like, yeah, you know, and he was holding his wife's hand and everybody went, oh, in the crowd. And I said, I said, shut the fuck up. I said, he's old, not retarded. (laughs) and they fucking went and the whole fucking place went crazy because they they you have they have to believe you like they have to believe that you're in charge of the ship you're right they're wrong but it's also again it's like i don't know i'm not i am not going to be big in portland i'm not gonna be a big portland comic i'm not gonna be a big new york city guy i mean i i I can i've been passed at a couple of clubs it didn't work out because uh, you know if they don't like the content maybe i don't know Well, and
0: and a lot of that is because you're dealing with tourists.
1: Is that if you're in New York, you're dealing with people who are not
0: from New York and they want the New York experience. And sure, uh, it's yeah, when you get I always talk about national divorce when you're talking about the political angle, and you just realize, yeah, you go an hour outside New York and it's it may as well be Alabama in a lot of ways, so right, it's (laughs)
1: what, <laughs> like, that.
0: like, do we really need I, I keep thinking about this, especially during the whole lockdown stuff. Do we really need to go to New York and L.A. anymore? Like Joe no. Rogan said, no, we could, how about I go to Austin? And a bunch of people went to Austin. A bunch of people went to Florida. Uh, you know, doesn't Shuly live in like doesn't he live in Alabama? He lives in Alabama. He's the only Jew yeah. in Alabama, right?
1: Uh, I think there was <laughs> one, but they left. Oh, yes, that's right. They ch- chased him
0: across the border.
1: They have a quota. And, (laughs) but, um, but
0: it's funny because it it was the whole goal. I think even, even while the gatekeepers were falling, that the goal was still, you got to go to New York, you got to go to Chicago to go on second city. You got to go to LA. You got to do this. And I I just don't necessarily see if that's the case anymore, that you can be a New York comic and live in Pennsylvania and just go into the city. Maybe heck you can go in for a weekend, just get a hotel and Airbnb and be a New York comic in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it, sure. it is like, but I will say though, if you do want to get past, uh, I mean, they're still going with the. We got to have a Benetton ad as being <laughs> as like we got to have the Asian guy and the, the Jewish guy and the this guy and the that guy and everything. Like,
1: hey, what about funny people? Whatever happened to right. that? Can you pass funny people? Well, that's the thing. Like, you know, I talked to a, guy, a comic named Nico White, and he kind of put things into perspective for me. He's a black guy, despite don't let the name fool you he uh he's a white he's a black guy and he said that you know still to this day it's like they have to like if they have like four or five black guys on one show they consider it like a black show it's like this is the black show four or five guys there's so many white comedians out there and i blame you know i don't blame the the bookers for booking multicultural multi-ethnic roster i agree with you i think it should be just based on being funny um, but the problem is, for such a long time, they weren't giving funny black people a chance. They weren't giving funny black Asians a chance. They were like, oh, I will put one on. We'll put one on the show. If you look at most comedy shows, it's like four, four white women, three white guys, a black person. I mean, it's, it's still like that. I mean, some bookers yep. still book like that. Uh, I was. I mean, it's getting it's, – the pendulum has to swing the other way before it goes back in the middle. And that's the way it is with with cultural – decades of cultural um you know uh, i want to say when, when things are moving cultural uh, immobilization when, when you have to like you know again i, I you, you can definitely be like oh yeah netflix uh, as long as you're a gay indian person you're gonna have a special mm-hmm. but it, at the same time it's like yeah but that's but then people look watch it and they go that eh, wasn't that good you know, what I well, mean? I, th-
0: I think also it checks the boxes. I mean, you think about the amount of these woke movies that come out. What, what, I forgot. What was it? A, oh, fuck. It was an, it was like a Marvel movie or, or no, no, it was Batgirl. It was Batgirl. Right. And it was supposed to come out and it was so woke that they couldn't even release it. But what, so why would something like it like that get greenlit? It's because it checks the boxes. It's a, it's a strong woman. It's a, you know, a lesbian scene and this and that. And it's almost like I, I almost think it's a write off. It's they're just doing so to put something on paper. They know it's going to be shit. The audience is going to say it's shit. Uh, But they're just going to shrug their shoulders and say, look, hey, we did it. We did it. Look how woke we are. Look how uh, open. And but that's the problem is it hurts. In my opinion, it does hurt a lot of comedy. Uh, It's kind of like with and you've seen this, too, with the amount of YouTubers and TikTokers who want to start doing comedy because somebody thought they were funny in their videos to get billions of views. Then they go up on stage and they have no material and they have right. to either repeat material or they have to act out. And what happens is the marketplace decides and They're like, "Ah, he's not really funny. I'm not going to go see him again. And then the club doesn't book him again, but the club made out that one weekend because everyone wanted to see the TikToker. So it's um, it, like you said, is an interesting pendulum and the marketplace does uh, decide. It's just, you know, are, are they, are, are we making the right decisions right now?
1: It's a, it's like a five minute novelty when you see an actor come on, like, cause actors do it too. Guys like Jeremy Piven and <laughs> uh, you know, I can't account for the, I can't account for their comedy. I have never been, I've never seen them, but I'm, I'm hearing a lot of influencers are uh, doing that now, but it's like, it doesn't really hurt us as comics. It's like it, this, it, it, it people, the real people will vocalize how they feel about things and they will stop going to these bullshit shows and they will start f- seeking out what they want to see because I mean, that's the great thing about youtube and twitter and TikTok and instagram for comedians like i put my i put my act on the show i'll clip some stuff you can clip some stuff and you'll get a reaction out of it it's if it's funny it's funny and that's the thing like like we we're talking about patrice patrice was not a black comic he was a funny guy. It's like a comic. Everybody thought he was funny. Like he was, I mean, that's what it should be. It should be somebody who is a good, either they're a good cantor or they're just quick witted. They make, they, they're they just, I mean, watching his last special was unbelievable. The Elephant in the Room, probably one of mm-hmm. the best specials ever made. You know what I mean? Um, I go back and I'll still go back on, on Netflix and I'll watch Richard Pryor's Live at the Sunset Strip. Or, uh, you know, again, a great fucking show. I mean, he's not a black comic. He's just a guy who happens to be black and he is talking about everything. He's just fucking. I mean, these guys, that's what bothers me is that I'll watch a comic go on stage and it's like, all right, you're a black comic. You want to be be a black comic? That's fine. All you're talking about is being black. That's such yeah. a fucking it's so hack. It's hack now. It's like, come on, like, just stop. Just talk about, you know, come up with something good, man. I mean, there's so much stuff going on. There's so much stuff going on. Well,
0: yeah. And that's where uh, if you don't have that look, it's one of those where. So there's a guy who is in the new SNL cast. His name is Marcelo Hernandez. Now, I know Marcelo. I've done countless open mics with this guy here in Cleveland. And he went to, he started doing comedy when he was in college and over here at John Carroll in Cleveland. And so I did, I, I can't tell you how many open mics I did. And I've watched him bomb and bomb and bomb. And I remember one time Matt Fultron came up, came to my home comedy club, the funny Stop, and said, you got to go, you got to leave this town. You have to go to LA. You have to go to New York. You have the look they're looking for. And his look is he's Hispanic. He's looks kind of twinky. Uh, I don't know if he's gay or not, but he looks like he would be. And right. sure enough, dry, fast forward. Idrogynous. Oh yeah. And fast forward five, six years, here he is. He's the one of the new cast members on SNL. And I, I mean, is he going to do a good job? Has he gotten a lot funnier? I've heard he's done a lot better. He got passed at a couple of the clubs. He's at the stand and uh, a couple other places. So good for him, but it's, it's interesting how, you know, some people are given those opportunities, even if they don't necessarily deserve them while others slave away. And, you know, but is it because they're not funny or are they not putting in the work? You know, I'm sure there's a, just a whole collection of factors, but that's, you know, it's, I guess it's the luck of the draw here, I guess.
1: Well, I think the, I think the main thing, listen, I'm talking from a guy with, how old are you? 34. Okay. I'm significantly older than you. I'm almost 10 years older than you, but I've been doing comedy a lot longer than you. And I'm saying the same shit you said when I was 10 years in or five <laughs> years in. What the fuck? What about me? What's going on? I mean, these guys are fucking hacks. I'm a fucking funny dude. I'm not going to get a fucking shot and I'm going to do this and that. But when it comes, when you recently, the past four or five years, I've had a lot of, uh, you know, you get to a point in your career where you go, Fuck them all. What am I even worried about? Like, why don't I just focus on me getting undeniable? And that's what I need to do. Once you're undeniable, listen. Somebody's. You always need somebody to open a door for you. That's that's number one. You're not going to get it all by yourself. You know, guys like Shuli takes me on the road and he opens doors for me because he believes in me. He's my friend, but he thinks I'm a funny guy. It takes one person to do that for you. And once Mm -hmm. that door that's your responsibility to keep that door open so when it comes to clubs clubs don't give a fuck man you can go to new york comedy club if you say to new york comedy club listen i'm not past here but i can put 200 people in these seats tonight tonight 200 people will come and see me you think they're not going to book you You then they're not going to put you up they care about this that's all they care about clubs are money makers they're not the gatekeepers for comedy bookers don't know shit about stand up comedy, but most clubs are don't.
0: comedy clubs are bars with the stage,
1: they're bars they, that's with the all stage. They are. <laughs> and, a, and listen, I got I, I love this. I'm not saying anything specifically bad about any bookers in New York City because I have some friends who are bookers there, and there are people who don't like me. But bookers, there are some people, some people become bookers because one, they can't do stand up comedy, and two, they love getting their, their dick kissed. They love their fucking people. Oh, hey, it's good to see you. You know, like they're fucking, now they're fucking, now they have they're in charge of your your career in a way. They're the ones that are gonna put you up or not. And it's like, you know what, dude? Fuck you. I don't need, I'll find a club that'll put me on. And if I can't, I'll just work the road. Because people ultimately want to have a good time. They want a funny comic. You don't get funnier. In New York City than you would on the road you got to combine the two like I there's if you just do the road you're gonna be you're gonna get hacky and lazy and make money and that's all you're gonna be thinking about you're not gonna have any sort of elevation when you go to the coasts you have to it's it's good for you you the podcasts are there you know for now but it's like that's always gonna change too but I mean everything has been changing so fast but but yet You got to stay fresh, but you have to also work other places in the country because somebody from Williamsburg, Brooklyn, a Williamsburg, Brooklyn comic is not going to do well in Atlanta, Georgia, in the middle of like, you know, or Tampa, (laughs) Tampa, Florida, because like, you know, something, you know, like when you're, you know, like I'm a vegan and they're like, fuck and, you. And I some, and, and vice this.
0: versa too, that uh, Atlanta comic is not necessarily going to do well. It's in New York. I mean, it's just, it's a happy yeah. medium of knowing your audience. And I, I've noticed that, that, you know, there, there are times, okay. Uh, here, I'm going to ask you a true comedy question. Can the audience be bad? Yeah. Okay. Because sure. some comics will say, can't blame the audience. It's not your, it's not their fault. They're not, it, you know, but then others where I notice a lot of people like oh, a bunch of hillbillies in that audience. They can't, you know, and you just go, is it really, is it really the crowd? Is it your delivery? Is that your material? I mean, I, I think it could be a collection of both, but I, I wanted to hear your thoughts because I know that some people do say that they say, no, it's never, it's never the audience's fault. It's always the comics fault.
1: It could, yeah, it could be like, the, it could be like a, a, a perfect storm. Of, you know, if I'm going up there, I'm four, I'm, I'm in my 40s and I'm talking about divorce and I'm talking about being old to a group of 20 year old girls from Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's probably not, but it may, if I was funnier, maybe, maybe if the jokes were funnier, but maybe they just don't give a fuck and they can't relate to it. Sometimes comedy is about getting what, you know, you, everybody kind of goes through that kind of, not, not so much an observational comic, but everybody goes through the basic stuff human nature you know you're you're lampooning uh just stuff like that so sometimes like you'll have a great audience that's mixed sometimes you'll have uh like uh i did you know you'll be doing marina and maybe there's like maybe the venue's not right maybe you're doing like uh an hour in front of people sitting in lawn chairs on a beach outside with no stage and no people think they can just do comedy anywhere it's like yeah just do comedy wherever but it take it. There's there's a there's a setting for it. There people have to be focused. There there's they have to. You have to be louder than the audience. You have to be taller than the audience. Like you have to be the the center of attention. People will pay attention to you, and then they'll listen to you, and then you you'll be ten times funnier than the people just walking around a bowling alley, you know, or the games or, or even on worse the, bar. the <laughs> or, I,
0: I, or even worse two years ago with the uh, drive-in shows. Oh God. Yeah, I I I could I could not do that.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's like why bother? It's like it's like you go to some bars for the show, and they're like, "Yeah, like can you turn off the fucking game?" They're like, nah it's the playoffs." So why are you gonna have a comedy show? What the fuck am I doing? God, dating's hard. You know what I mean? It's like uh, who cares? You know, and also a lot of those specials you watch on TV, like people are they 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 edit in laughter they, they 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 have clever ways of making the guy funnier or the girl funnier than they were like i was watching the netflix the friends of comedy i mean listen nothing, nothing i think in all those comics in a different setting are probably better than they were on that show the, together talk about the friends who Killed? the bill burrs friends of comedy like oh. some of it was and i like i like some of those guys a lot and but, I mean, it was like – it was just they were pushing an agenda. Netflix is – it's its just like they're not giving you the best – they're not letting you use the best jokes you can use. You know, it's like they, they have to cut – and still Netflix will still give you like a list of like you, you can't say this. You can't you can't talk about trans. You can't talk about uh, black people and white people. You know, it's like it's – unless you're black. Then you can say the yeah. N-word all day and it's fun. I mean, it's almost comic, like, when he says, it, 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 when he it's says almost the N-word, like that, it's fun. Too. It's almost like that dice special. What was
0: that one where it was like really bad? It was like, was it called for the, 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 the ladies Advide. or something? No, no, no. The the other one that was had that big heart in the background. I think he taped it in Philly. <laughs> oh, it yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. it was like for the ladies. Like, hey, you know, I've been ripping on the ladies all these years, and it's like, hey, this one's for the women. And I'm like, yeah. ah, boy,
1: we've uh, yeah, we're 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 right at the fifteen minutes, aren't we, <laughs> with the new dice? Well, that guy became he became like a he became like a parody of himself until I mean, he had to reinvent himself. Yeah. Right. He's like dice. He's like, when you, when you like, dice doesn't do that dice does this dice does that, you know, boom, boom, boom. And then like, he got <laughs> older and heavier and blinder and he quit smoking for a while. He got scared of cancer. Cause that's yeah. what you do when you get older. And then he decided to start smoking again, probably because people were like, "Why'd you stop smoking, fucking pussy?" You know, start smoking. But he was like, he had unlit cigarettes. Remember, like the last specials he was, he had like the unlit cigarette. Yeah, it was like a straw. It was
0: like a McDonald's straw that he had. Yeah. So you mentioned Shuli and and getting a chance to be friends with him and working with him, but. Who were like early on in your career uh, that the first comic or comics that really took you under their wing where you would have them on your, you know, maybe a flip phone at the time and they would call you and be like, is this person really calling me? Who were some of those early comics that really got you going?
1: It's funny you say that. We're in full circle, man. Like, like even guys like Gino. Gino was was good to me. Gino took me on the road with him when we first started. Gino was 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 a. I mean, Gino used to host a lot of, at the first club I used to work at, and he was, um, you know, he helped me a lot, and I, and I owe him a lot um, in the beginning, for sure. Um, guys like, uh, I would say, Mike Vecchione. Mike Vecchione took me on the road with him. He didn't have to, but he did. He's one of those, and he's one of the funniest guys in, in the country. And he's one of those guys who's been working like when you ask people who Mike Vecchione is, they're like, oh, I don't know Mike Vecchione is. Unless you're a like true comedy fan. Late yeah. night specials. Right. Unless, you know, comedy like Mike's fucking hysterical. But he's had like 10 or 12 like late night spots. You know what I mean? Like he's a guy who's been on TV. He's been on. you think he's been in some movies. I mean, but it's like yeah it's frustrating that guy i mean he's so goddamn good and he's gonna break i mean he will break because he's not you you gotta quit if you don't want to if, if you can't do it you gotta quit but him mike becky young guys like rick shapiro you, you ever heard of rick shapiro? oh yeah
0: yeah how, how is rick, rick, rick doing i know rick his, shapiro his was,
1: health has just been brutal over the years he's a go he's good he's in florida he's just kind of like you know he still does comedy and stuff and he's he's he's, he's getting he wants to like He's jumping back. He never really stopped. He's just, you know, he got sick. And then like, that's the thing. The industry kind of just like pulls out, you know, like they pull out. They, they go, oh, oh, you know, it's almost like the, Sah- the Sahara when, you know, the wildebeest is limping. They got to like abandon that guy <laughs> and go somewhere else. But he's a funny dude. I talk to him all the time. He's he's fucking still sharp as a knife and uh weird and he's always been like crazy and weird and funky and so he's, he's doing a lot of stuff in florida where he lives now i would love my thing is i would love to get to the point where i can take these guys out on the road again and use them i would love to like you know be able to do that but you know the people at compound the, the fans at compound and the fans at, G- at gas have been fucking amazing they've been great oh, yeah. man like i love i mean it's a it's a great outpour and i really we're nothing without the fans man like the fans, people forget like those people, without them, we're nothing. They'll they'll keep going without us, but they're fucking awesome. So getting a fan base, that's all you need. Fuck clubs, fuck fucking TV. Look at Stanhope. Fucking Stanhope plays by his own rules. He he's got a huge, massive, dedicated following over the years. And yes. he's doing great. He's one of the best comics
0: in the world. He really is. And uh like I I've never met Vecchione. I I think I'm Facebook friends with Rick Shapiro it was one of those where every time there's a post up there I'm like oh god please don't tell me Rick Shapiro's dead <laughs> like every time like <laughs> it's his wife who posts for him it says like hey this is Rick's wife or somebody and yeah, uh, the, yeah like every, t- every yeah, time every time i posts, see it every yeah. so every so often i'm just like hoping like oh god i hope it's not like uh, sad to report, but I'm like, Oh no, here it comes. They're like, Oh no, it's wrong. Uh, he's, oh, he's doing well.
1: <laughs> he's, got, he's got Parkinson's. I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's, a, it's, I don't know what the deal is with him and how, how bad it is with him, but you know, he suffers. he has good days and he has bad days. So he'll, he'll take advantage of his good days. And then, you know, when you have a bad day, it's kind of like red bar, you know, red bar does his show when he's feeling good. He doesn't do it when he's sick. Um, that's you know that's a that's just what it is but yeah I mean I've been very lucky to be a New York City based comic my whole life I've met so many great people and then you also learn how the dark shit works you also learn the shitty side of everything the nepotism the uh or the clickiness you know all that stuff that goes with stand up comedy that that makes you frustrated it's almost a way it's almost like their way of weeding out the people who can't hang Do you know what I mean? Like, They don't make it easy for you, but like, let's put it this way as comics, dude, we can do an hour worth of comedy. We can work for an hour and make, and make 10 grand. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's crazy. What other fucking job could you make that much money in an hour a day, Uh, one hour? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's really impressive.
0: I'm, you know, I would love to get to that point, um, in my career and do it, doing everything. <laughs> it's just, I love it's uh, like a thousand. Well, cause that's, what's funny about it where you said that you were getting into, you wanted to get into broadcasting because you were influenced by Stern and ONA. And that's what I was too. I actually did it and got, was in radio for over 15 years. And yeah. the weird thing is though, I think what holds me back in a little, a little bit of ways is I, I think people who are comics who end up doing radio or podcasting or whatever, have way more of an advantage than somebody who is a radio guy who then get gotten to comedy over time because I still have that you know content creation mindset as opposed mm-hmm. to hey here's a here's a joke here's a premise let's put them together and let's keep working on it for me I start getting bored with my own material and it's one of the curses of being somebody who is uh, somebody who works in broadcasting because I start getting bored and I start to dissect my own material and then I end up hating something that i actually really thought was clever you know the first couple of times i did it and uh so it's you know it's it's part of the comic the comedian's process of doing something and you know and finding one's voice so you know you're 20 years into doing it and i'm just less than 10 uh it's all part of that of getting back on that but i guess the good thing is i don't have to worry about getting back into radio anymore <laughs> that's, that's not true that, that shit's that shit's over <laughs>
1: Well, here let's put it this way: it's over now. It's over for now. But I mean, look at the way, like you said, all comedians ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it was a difference. It, the it's 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 a totally it's a diff, It's like a one eighty on on censorship. The the censorship used to come from the conservatives from the yep. right. It used to be like no. Noam Chomsky himself has been said in 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 recent interviews. He's like the left has made a total one eighty. Like they're the cancelers now. They're the people shutting people down. They're if the you book don't burners, yeah. what I say, you're a fucking Nazi. You're a fucking fascist. You deserve to be fucked. Nobody wants to hear you click. I'm turn- we're turning you off because you don't agree with us. And that's all they're really saying. So now he feels like, but if you stay in the pocket, dude, I'm staying in the pocket. There are people, at least 50% of the country agrees with us. They yeah. don't like it. And they're just, what they're doing is they're trying to keep their voices low because they, again, they don't want to lose their fucking jobs. They don't, They mean, it's, it's a real problem. We're living in a society right now where what you say, even if you're not, I mean, and you're a fucking, um, you're a radio uh, personality. You should be able to say whatever the fuck you want. You were, well, we heard from a guy who heard from a guy that you had a racist guy on your show. So we have to fire you that is oh, well. lunacy it's craziness but at the same time it's going to it's not going to be the way it's going to be forever and the people this is a this is actually a blessing in disguise for comedians like us because we're a commodity we're uh, we're comedians that people are where they're searching for us they get plenty of that shit on netflix and 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 whatever other ch- streaming channels it's that lukewarm like you know everyone's in their 20s they the industry is so fucking out of touch instead of getting an experienced older funny comic they'd rather have a 20 year old lukewarm nobody fucking can relate to you know kind of guy and they're gonna because they can see they can they can make money off of him as the years go on we they kind of look at us like we're we're old horses like you know we're, we're gonna be put out the pasture soon but it's a blessing dude like I'm working more than I've ever worked in my life. It's great. People want to hear it, and people are paying. Like I, I, I it so blows my mind that people pay to listen to guys like you and and Shuli and and Anthony and and Red Bar and whoever. I mean, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, and I, I think also uh, an interesting thing is that I, I, know you with you know feuding with Gino, but you know we knew that that wasn't going to last. Um, right, you'll go on any any of these podcasts you'll go on any of these streaming shows or whatever because as much as there's camps and there's clicks and everything as you, you stated since you've been in New York and you've seen it is that if you're Switzerland and you're just a fan of everybody and you're like hey yeah absolutely have me on the show I mean like I, when I was in New York a couple of weeks ago I went on Godfrey's show I did Zach Amico's show and yeah uh, I mean Zach Amico likes backyard wrestling and horror movies not necessarily and- my not, and, <laughs> and, what? Pie. and pie and yes, pie yes lots of pie lots and back pie. tattoos and <laughs> um so like that you would normally think that i wouldn't that wouldn't be in my wheelhouse at all and then i end up going on the show and i bring up all these factoids and i realize i knew a lot more about wrestling than i realized and i'm seeing in the comments of people going like hey the new guy seems really he's got some cool facts and like people really enjoyed the godfrey appearance and you just go if you just, it's not so much that I'm trying to be Switzerland where I don't want to piss people off. It's we're in this together. We have to cultivate this, I I hate saying brand, but it is a brand of, look, you know, there are people who want to cancel us. There are people who want to get us thrown off of shows and get uh, our Mm -hmm. gigs canceled. Never like literally canceled gigs. Um, Whenever I see that there's infighting between you know, shows and podcasts and podcast platforms. I'm just like, you're, you're only hurting yourselves. You're only hurting yourselves at that point. Uh, if you're feuding right. with people who are, we're all supposed to work together. And if we're just imploding the other side who wants to cancel us is just has a bag of popcorn and is enjoying watching us implode. So, you know, I, I really, like the fact yeah. that you're somebody who does go on a lot of these shows and it's kind of Switzerland in the this.
1: Well, yeah, and plus the audience, I, and I agree with you. I think I think all these guys, like I said, Gino, I said we're so much stronger if we work together. You know what I mean? Like if everybody's on the same page, the the audience enjoys it more. Like they 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 want to see everybody being getting along because we're all in this together. Like it, we're all. I mean, why are we fighting amongst ourselves when there's like you said, there's plenty of people who want to get rid of what what they do and. And guys, like, like, there's a guy, again, he, I made a meme a week ago that went, that went, it got a lot of hits, about 7,000 likes on Twitter, which is big for me. I'm not really, I usually don't, I get like two or three likes on, on, a, on a tweet, but I made a tweet of uh, an oil spill and then the little black mermaid underneath <laughs> she got, and I said, I oh, this oil spill doesn't have any long lasting effects. And I can't tell you how many <laughs> black people fucking shared it and laughed because Funny's funny, man. Like people, some people pretend to be offended. A lot of white people like to get offended for other people. Again, yes. it's another form of liberal pandering. It goes, he can't, he doesn't know what's good for him. I'm going to tell him what's good for him. I'm, I'm going to speak for him and, and tell, you know, and, and black people and people of color and, and, and minorities, they get it. They're like, oh, like this is fucking, it was funny. It was funny. The bitch had oil on her. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 just a fucking stupid, silly joke. And guys like Zach, of course, he's a liberal guy, but he's also he's quick and he's and he gets edgy and dirty and he'll he'll tell black jokes and stuff like that. Funny's funny, man. It's like if you can be funny, then you're good. So it's just about being funny more than being offensive.
0: And not every conservative is funny either. There's a lot of ones who do conservative comedy. I'm like, yeah, you're just like that's why I don't like overly political comedy nowadays. Like when I, when I go on stage, as much as I can tweet politics and I talk about it on, on my Patreon podcast, when I go on stage, I st- I stay so far away from politics. I, I remember I, yeah. I've talked about it brought this up. Um, the uh, weekend Trump was inaugurated was um, I was doing a I was doing a weekend with Dave Landau. And, you know, you're talking about you say anything political, somebody half the crowd's gonna boo you, half the crowd's gonna stand up and cheer. I don't want that. Right. I I want I want everybody to laugh or I want everybody to groan. It's like at least I want, you know, it doesn't matter what your political beliefs. So I, I did kind of the Gilbert Gottfried at the uh, the aristocrats type of thing where I said we're not gonna talk politics, we're not gonna do any of that. And then I just got into the most grotesque sexual taboo stuff. And it's getting everybody laughing. And I'm, and then I paused and I'm like But we're not going to talk politics tonight. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Right.
1: And it was just great to hear from your your velvety radio tones. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Hi. You know, you're (laughs) fucking, you know, you're licking a girl's asshole and, uh,
0: Yes. Hi. Yes. You know that viscous feeling when you get on your fingers after. You... <laughs> <That's>...
1: Viscous. <laughs> I like
0: viscous. Yeah. Um, viscous, all right. Viscous. So. Um, so yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm as we say in the radio business, up against it. But uh, Anthony Zenhauser, thanks for coming on here today. What? Uh, please plug anything, uh, any podcasts, yeah, any stand-up appearances. Where can we find you oh, on got... the Socialist?
1: Yeah. Um. I'll let you go. Uh, at the Zen Comic. On Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I'll be working again with the amazingly funny and very fucking awesome Shirley Edgar uh, in Bohemia this weekend, Friday and Saturday night at uh, Governors at McGuire's. It's a it's a Governor's Comedy Club in McGuire's in Bohemia. So come out to (laughs) McGuire's and uh, and come out to McGuire's and check out a great show. It's Friday and Saturday night. I believe Mr. Kumi is coming on Saturday. So that'll be fun. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. And uh, yep. thank you, man, for having me on the show. It's great. Anytime you want me, let me know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, this is great. And uh, yeah, I'm going to put this uh, podcast, if you're listening, by the way, uh, whether it's on Patreon or for free, it's out on Wednesdays. So uh, Anthony, hey, thanks so much, Matt. I appreciate this.
1: Oh, uh, My pleasure. And Shout out to uh, Becky for getting us together.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> Becky. <laughs>